निरंजनम नित्यम अनंतरूपं भक्तानुकंपाधृत विग्रहम वै ईशावतारम परमेशमिड्यम तंग्राम कृष्णम शिरसानमाम जननीम सारदाम देवीम राम कृष्णम जगतगुरुम पाद पद्मी तयो श्रुत्वा प्रणमामी मुहुरुमुहु नमस्री यतिराजाय विवेकानंद सूरे सच्चिद सुखस्वरूपाय स्वामीने तापहारिने So in the last class, we started with a new chapter of Swami Vivekananda's Karma Yoga, the seventh chapter. the The title of the chapter is Freedom. So, in the last class, the portion which we have discussed is actually speaking of the idea that the laws which we interpret. in the universe as the universal laws are actually not something there outside it's the way we interpret the universe the entire universe is the projection of the mind and even whatever we are perceiving that is the projection and also the laws are the projection of the mind the so called laws are not out there it is the way we map the reality that's the thing we were indicating that the reality as such can never be known but for our day to day existence the mind is mapping the reality for its convenience and the way we map in that we find that the laws exist so laws exists in the mind not something outside the common example which we gave that even that if you just take any of our perception all the perceptions the same rule apply what's there outside we never know the so called red flower is it actually red no we never know what actually it is not only color even its fragrance its texture nothing are the things which as such we say is its nature are actually not outside there it's the way my mind is projecting and the example which we give again and again and which is the thing which conforms to the science it's not something which we are just saying as out of some doctrine or dogmas even with the science discover it conforms and you also will understand with the common sense that when i say the flower is red is it actually red what is happening that light is falling on the flower we know the light consists of various wavelengths of this this light there are various wavelengths 
all the wavelengths are absorbed, a particular wavelength is reflected back. That wavelength which is reflected back is touching the retina of your eye. The light cannot enter into your brain. The brain is the darkest part of your body. If you're inside the brain, no light. If you're sitting there, there is no light. What is entering is something which is not light. It is just an optic nervous impulse. The light which falls on your retina, its function stops there. Immediately, that stimuli gets converted into an optic nervous impulse, which reaches the so-called color perception center. Actually, the color is not perceived. What is perceived is some particular optical nervous stimulation. That stimulation immediately is decoded, is projected by the mind as the red color, which moves out through your senses to envelop the object, in this case, the flower, to give you a feeling that it is red. So what is happening actually is the mind is a wonderful projector. In our day-to-day -day life, uh, with uh, all the modern technology that we have at present devised, we can have a projector which projects light and sound. But the mind is already there, a much advanced projector. It not only projects light and sound, it projects the five senses. It's projecting. The external world is just a stimuli. What it is, we never know. That stimuli is being projected in the form of the five senses as sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. All the five senses are projected. This mind is a wonderful projector, which even the science cannot imitate. With all the modern technology, we cannot imitate. There is no technology at present which has succeeded in imitating the projector called mind. So now you will understand what I am seeing is not something outside there. There is something. We cannot say there is nothing. Something is there. That something can never be known as such in its essence. It has to be interpreted by the mind, has to be projected by the mind to the reality of what we, I am seeing. So in a way, we all are hypnotizing. It's not only the one who has some mental problems like schizophrenic pressure. We say they hypnotize. They, they are actually uh, hallucinating. It's not that only they, we all are hallucinating. Then what's the difference between the one whom we call have some mental issues with us? Our hallucination is something which is consensus. The way I hallucinate the reality, you also hallucinate in the same way. The mo most of the mankind is hallucinating in the same way. And so we consent. Consensus reality means that we all consent, we all vote that this is the reality. And someone is hallucinating in a different way. And as he or she is the minority, we say that's not the reality. So you have some mental issues. But actually, for all, the mind is actually projecting. The reality which we see is not the so-called absolute reality. It is the consensus reality. And now you will understand why we say that the 
what we see is not the reality. We are just seeing the map of the reality. The mind is mapping. Just the way when we draw a map, what we do? That I have went out to see the network of roads in the Melbourne city. And after having an idea, I return. I come and just try to draw a sketch of the network of roads. And what I do for my own convenience, what I do, the freeway, most probably I will draw with a particular color, say green color, all the merging roads. The freeway has no as such traffic. There will be some merging roads and there will be some exits. All the merging roads, we uh, draw them with red color. And the exits, most probably, we uh, color them with the blue color. It is for our convenience. There is no as such red color, green color, and blue colored roads outside there. Now a small child sees the map and asks what it is. And we say it is the, the road, the network of road of the Melbourne city. And this child takes it to be literally true. And when he is moving out into the city with his parents, he's in search of the red color, green color, and blue color roads. Will he ever find those red color, green color, blue color loads? No. So that's what it's meant by we are mapping the reality. The reality can never be known as such. And once you map, that mapping has three dimensions. What are the three dimensions of that mapping? Space, time, causation. The space, time, causation is not something outside there. It is the way we are mapping the reality. And once the space-time causation comes into picture, the question of laws come into picture. There is no law as such outside there. Just suppose in uh, uh, you're seeing a, a moving picture. Just for, your, for the sake of simplicity, we say in the first scene, the, the, uh, numer the numeral 42 comes. That scene goes off. The next scene, numeral 43 comes. And then the next numeral 44 comes. Now our mind will interpret what? That this 43 is the effect of 42. And 44 is uh, again the effect of 43. The cause of 43 is 42. And the effect of 43 is 44. But what has happened actually? They just three pictures of three numerals just came in sequence. So even in the modern science, in the last class we were saying that space-time is something fixed, where all the pictures are as if coming one after the other. And now once we map them in this, this space-time continuum, we map them and it is our mind after mapping the reality as this world of five senses. The next thing it does, it maps the universal laws there. As such, laws are not existing. It is something which is the interpretation of the mind, which in turn speaks of predestination. There is no thing called, there is nothing called free will. Everything is predestined. So immediately we will find then where lies, lies the uh, question of karma. So doing karma as per my will in a particular way so that it can render me free. It can give me liberation in the sense of, in spiritual sense. That question itself doesn't arise. So that's the thing 
we came in this uh, uh, just that that's the dilemma where we with which we ended the last class so today the we will just resort to swamiji's discussion we won't enter directly to the karma yoga again what has been described by swamiji with the space time causation will the same thing will be now dis, will be discussed by him as far as psychology is concerned is there anything called free will so that's the thing we will find from the psychological point of view also there is nothing called free will the modern psychological uh, discoveries also will actually substantiate to the fact what swami vivekananda is saying so we will try to go through it and just try to discuss that how rational it is whether all these things which swami ji is saying from the scriptural point of view has some the scientific background behind it so first let us go to the discussion and then first let us read the text and then we will go to the discussion so from the paragraph which we are starting and that i am just going to read now therefore we see at once that there cannot be any such thing as free will the very words are a contradiction because will is what we know and everything that we know is within our universe and everything within our universe is molded by the conditions of space time causation so that's the thing uh, which swami ji discussed previously here is again continuing that everything is within the space time causation i have an idea that such an act can result in such an effect and then the question of will comes that if such a cause results in such an effect then i can will with my will i can resort to particular type of cause which will result into certain effect so will is something which comes within the space time causation so when i say free will once we understand that space time causation itself is not something which speaks of freedom it's as if all predestined and in that the way you are mapping the reality in that when the will comes into picture how can it be free so the free will itself is a contradictory term to make it still clearer we will resort to some other psychological experiments which you will find is really very interesting uh we just read the next line and then we go to the discussion everything that we know or can possibly know must be subject to causation and that which obeys the law of causation cannot be free so if certain cause is resulting in certain effect and which is fixed we to give a very simple example that i think i have the free will whether to eat the chili or not in the language of sri ramakrishna yes i think i have the free will to have that choice whether to have the chili or not yes to certain extent that the free will is there i can choose but after eating the chili i won't have that hot sensation is it going to happen no there the law of cause and effect is fixed if you don't eat well and good you don't feel that hot sensation but if you eat you are bound to feel that hot sensation that i will eat the chili but i won't have that hot sensation that's never going to be 
So this law of cause and effect is bound as such. You cannot, there cannot be free will there. So everything we know can possibly must be subject to causation and that which obeys the law of causation cannot be free. Now we will go to some psychological experiments by some famous universities like the Max Planck University, which really speaks of some mystery as our mind is concerned. The mind can behave in a way which we can sometimes say is quite spooky, ghostly. The one experiment is a very famous experiment. What's that? Which comes to the decision that all the decisions which we think we have taken at a particular moment has actually been taken at least seven seconds earlier. A very simple experiment was done by the Max Planck University. What's that? That suppose uh, you are asked to press a switch and the option is the moment you decide to press, you just uh, press it. The moment the decision is taken, immediately you press it. You can do it with your left hand or right hand, whatever it may be. And it's a very simple device. The moment you press the key, immediately the time when you have pressed the key that will be displayed in a display board. So this course, this experiment has been done in uh, innumerable times with many, with many of the individuals. That when you think immediately you press, and all the people have been asked, have you pressed the button the moment you thought that you should press it? They wrote, yes, the time was displayed. Now for all the individuals who was pressing the button, before the experiment started, their brain was kept under scanning, MRI scan. And then it was found very interestingly that at least, for in certain cases, it's even more, at least seven seconds earlier, the brain has decided to press the button and that also with which hand he's going to press the button that has been decided at least seven seconds earlier. But when you see the display board and you ask the man and to be sure that where are you guessing for some time? No, the moment I decided I pressed and it has been done innumerable time of a number of times with innumerable people to have the same result. And that's why this experiment is sometimes called is very the, is spooky, it's ghostly, it's what's happening with the mind. So where you get the first indica indication that as if everything is predestined, somehow we have the notion, a wrong notion, that it is my will, my free will with which I'm doing the thing. It is I who willed to press the button either with my left hand or with the left or with the right hand at certain time. But the brain scan shows otherwise. So now this thing was never understood for quite uh, decades. And then came another experiment, very interesting experiment. It is known as split brain experiment. In this experiment, again, you will find that it is, again, that the free will, the notion of free will is negated. It's a very interesting experiment that for certain person, for some uh, pathological reasons, for some health reasons, 
and for they had some because of some surgery the brains are split the left brain and the right brain the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere of your brain they are split generally they are interconnected so there is a split there and it has been found it helps the patient to get rid of so many medical complications but at the same time it doesn't have as such any side effect they behave almost normally like any other person but the split brain experiment have shown that actually they all they have certain handicap what's the handicap very interesting so the split brain experiment for such a person who has a split brain is made to sit in such <clears throat> such a position that he is not supposed to turn his head he cannot turn his head as such it is fixed and his seat is also fixed <clears throat> now on the left side there is some display which can be seen that he has been he is sitting in such a position that only the left eye can see that display it's the right eye cannot see it so he has been he has been made to sit and then the display board starts displaying walk this man who was sitting he stands up and starts walking and then the question someone asks a question that why are you walking and immediately he replies there was there was a fridge in in just in the vicinity immediately he replied i just want to have a glass of cold water in the fridge there is some water the cold water i want to have a glass of cold water he was made to sit again the same experiment was repeated and almost the same result was found uh, maybe the thing they are saying that what i hear why he has got up that may be different but it's always something which the psychologists the who were conducting the experiment they felt it actually never depicted the truth the truth was it is only the display board which has been displaying walk have made them walk what's happening so now they found a very interesting thing that because of the split in the left and the right brain very interesting there is a criss cross in our brain what is perceived by your left eye what you see by your left eye is actually perceived by the right brain whatever you see by your right eye is perceived by the left brain now the right hemisphere is autobiographic it just interprets the thing as it is what it has seen that it will be recording and the left brain is a language brain it interprets now this person seeing that walk signage with the left eye which was recorded in the right brain he started walking this brain as we told is just autobiographic it is just what it sees it does but as there is a split between the right and the left for this person this uh, message was not in any way transmitted to the left brain the language brain it was not transmitted so the left brain when you are asking the question it is the language it is the interpretive brain the left brain which has to interpret its actions and say now there is no such stimulation which has reached to interpret that so immediately it says something it says for such and such a reason and very interesting the person thinks i am genuine 
I am not bluffing others. It's not that I have made up my mind as I don't know why I'm working, walking. So I've made up my mind to say something and I'm telling, I'm staying a lie. No, he is 100% sure that he really wants that glass of water and is going. It's only the other person who feels he is not speaking the truth. And that's why this is a, just the basic experiment behind a book, a very spare, famous research book on psychology. The title of the book is Why Everyone Else is a Hypocrite. You even sometimes don't know. You think I am genuine, but it may be seen by the others that you are not speaking the truth. What is happening, the, as we told, the right brain is the autobiographical brain, the left is the language brain. It is there, sitting there as the propaganda machine. It's a propaganda machine. Why it is there? In the process of our evolution, it's very natural. We never want to do some queer act so that the world says that you are a bit abnormal. We all want to prove ourselves to be effective, to be beneficial. So in psychology, they have coined the term benefactance. It is for the benefactance, the propaganda machine is there to interpret the things in such a way which make you believe that, yes, that's the reason. It is my free will. It is my choice by which I'm saying that. And that's the thing you also make, you try to make others also believe. So now you will understand, is there something now, even whether that seven seconds earlier decision-taking experiment, with this now you find certain reason. Yes, there is some reason where it makes me feel that I am taking decision, but the decision is already been taken. It happens now, you may say, but we don't have the split brain. Yes, the split brain we don't have as such. There is no such surgical split, but the split is constantly happening because of our bias out of love, the mother's love for the child, that creates the bias, that creates the split. When someone says your child has done such and such thing, sometimes the mother doesn't believe, no, I know my child very well. When the teacher gives some complaints, sometimes it becomes very difficult for the parent to believe that those things the child can do. When you're watching a match, you will find that for certain reason, the fan, the two teams or the fan who are watching the match, they come to fight. There can be a tremendous uh, that fight in the stadium. And now you go and interview. Just take the interview of both the, 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 the fans of both the teams. And both the teams will say that they are right. The other person is wrong. Anywhere you go to the jail, you ask the so-called criminal, what's the cause of the crime? Most of the time you will find he's justifying himself. In this world, it is never the fight between the right and the wrong. It is always the fight of perspectives. No one thinks that, yes, I have decided to do the wrong thing. Everyone thinks my decision is right. There is something wrong with the other person. There are so many experiments. Very funny experiments are there. You will find some books are co-authored. The two authors are there. Now, individually, interview was taken to for both the authors or if there are three authors that yes this book has been co-authored now what's the percentage of your contribution 
And when they are added, the contribution which they say, it's always invariably more than 100%. <laughs> it's always invariably more than 100%. It's never 100%. All, everyone wants to say prove that their role was much more. There are so many funny experiments. If someone has met a very terrible accident, road accident, while driving the car, and most probably is lying in the hospital, very severely injured with all the plasters, with bandages, and you go and ask him that who is at fault? Invariably, it's the others. And not only that, in if there is a gradation of say five or 10, uh, there's a gradation of 10 grades, where will you keep your grid? The grid they keep is almost equivalent to the test drivers. When the, a driver is supposed to, where the vehicle is supposed to be released to the market, before that they have to go for a test driving. It's a very challenging driving. The slopes will be unnatural, very high. The test drivers, the grades which they have, that's the grade which even the ordinary beings put their grades there. So all this shows that we always try to prove ourselves better in a that we are beneficial and effective. And that's what the left brain as a propaganda machine is constantly doing. It is deluding us for which we are not aware. At the same time, it is trying to deluding us try to delude the entire world. Everywhere it is happening. You know, it's so, that's why it's so difficult to explain others that you are wrong. You can never explain. So why we are saying this is again, is there something really called free will or it is the mind which is somehow fooling us as well as the world. And when Sri Ramakrishna says the entire sadhana, spiritual practice is nothing but to make the mind conform to your speech. Now you will find that what a wonderful thing he's saying in relation to the split brain experiment. Because because of our biases, because of our liking for particular isms, particular uh, person, particular isms, the brain, the split happens. And our mind, even unknowingly, our mind never conforms to our speech. So. Again, what's the basic reason behind it? There are so many experiments. You will find that these are words which are told in the scriptures, these perennial values is as the science is developing. That's what Swamiji told again and again, that I never, I'm never afraid of the discovery of the science. The, the more the science develops, the more the core values of the Vedantic teaching will shine forth. That's what he told. There, every religion has some superstitions built up in time. He told very nicely that all the superstitions, those wrong beliefs, they will fall off. But the core teaching will shine forth. And that's what is happening. You'll find how interestingly it's just speaking the same thing as has been spoken of in the scriptures. A very interesting thing that after all, still, it, we don't find the explanation, proper explanation, that why it is happening. Is there nothing called free will? We feel there is free will. There is nothing called free will. Now in the science, they say, very interesting thing in psychology, the concept of mental modules, that there is not one mind. Even in Yoga Sutra, we will find that concept is there. 
that in the fourth chapter they deal with it nirmana chitta the concept of nirmana chitta if i find it so similar to the concept of this mental modules the word nirmana chitta means the chitta the mind which has been as if built up in the process of evolution there are many such nirmana chitta mental modules each mental module which our mind constitutes not one mind there are so many mental modules but at a time only one mental module gets activated then who activates it is there some central mind which active which decides to activate a particular module no as per the external circumstances a particular module will get activated and that module has fixed stimuli response conditioning fixed no one can change it that is fixed and once that module gets activated as per the fixed stimuli response conditioning the response is going to happen but it will give you a notion it is i who have decided the language will will come into picture and say oh it is i have decided but actually for that mental module the the stimuli response conditioning was fixed and most probably it was second sec- second earlier to your conscious decision that was activated that has already taken the decision what is going to happen giving you a feeling second seconds later through your language brain to speak out as yeah this is what i have decided but the decision was taken we they say they in the modern science they say that very interesting that our what mental module will get activated is just based on the external circumstances in which we are placed in even you will agree we also will know that we are so we have so many different personalities the same me when i am in a family with my children the way i behave the same person when i am just with my old college friends or school friends suddenly i find i have become a school boy my total behavior changes my language my way of behavior everything changes the moment if suddenly you have a get together with your school buddies you find you are just a school boy then that you are a responsible father so for the time being you have forgotten you are not just you start behaving in a totally different way the same person when he is in his office along with the colleagues is a different person when he is in a club with his so called friend circle is a different person the circumstances activates a particular module to make you behave in a particular way but giving us a sensation to our free will it never happens the best thing it can be understood in the tv when you are watching tv where you are in the you are just browsing the internet whatever it may be the advertisements are there why these advertisements what's the basic science behind all the advertisement is again the best they, this all the advertisers know that you, you will think you are taking decision to buy certain product but it is the advertisement which has activated a particular mental module by the way they have projected the advertisement just to give a very that's a certain example sometimes you may find bit crude but you will easily understand whenever you will find the newest car brand is advertised there is some this model female model standing in front of the car 
What has that model to do with the car? Nothing. Now you will understand why she is there. To activate a particular module to draw your attention. The car itself most probably cannot draw your attention. That will draw your attention by activating some other module. And then you get motivated to buy the car. The entire world of advertisement is based on that. Which gives you a feeling that you are taking the decision, but you are not. A particular mental module with its fixed stimuli response conditioning is already there, which as per the circumstances gets activated and you take the decision. We will speak of a really wonderful experiment. <clears throat> In some other context, we most probably have discussed, but we will just take this occasion to make this idea more lucid. <clears throat> that a real experiment has been conducted to find that how is the mental modules which takes decisions, not we. There's nothing called free will. What's the experiment? That a group of students for some advanced course, when it was a short, uh, this short course for just six months, where they were, where they got some leaf from their work for that study. They came with their family. They were staying in the university campus along with their family, most probably the wife. And if they have children, most probably the children. During that course, a short course, not even six months, for a few weeks. And it was the course was devised in such a way that in the middle, after two weeks, uh, most probably the course will be for another one week, but before it ends, before the completion, there will be an excursion, there will be a tour, an educational excursion. They have to go to some remote place. Now, while going by train, they have to get down in a place at night, it is a country town. And they planned previously <clears throat> that they get down there, the number of students are quite, it's a big number. So immediately they won't go forth the hotel to stay overnight and start their journey next day morning. First, they will go to watch some movie. After the movie, that they will decide wherever they want to stay. As it is a country town, it is a small place. Most probably just in the center of the town, there is not sufficient accommodation for all to be accommodated. A few may have to go bit into the remote place. There are also some accommodations. Now, if we just ask them to choose, all may think of staying in the same, say in the center of the town. And now it is you who have to say there is no place. So that we have to deny someone. So the one who were conducting the experiment, they thought, let us conduct the experiment in such a way that the decisions will be taken by the people in such a way that there will be a natural distribution. We won't have to say that you are forced, you, you are denied to stay here, you have to stay there. Let, make, let us make our work easy. How? Now, when the you know there's in this this movie complex, so many movies are going on. So you can enter any of the movie. Okay, some entered a movie which was a family adventure movie, and some other entered another movie which was a horror movie. After the movie, when they came out, now the choice was kept before them. Where do you want to stay? Very interesting. Those who watched the horror movie, they all chose to stay in the humdrum, in the center where, you know, that city, that lot of activities are going on, small town. 
they want all wanted to stay in the hub and all others who went for the family adventure movie they wanted to go to the remote place and this experiment shows very interesting thing they all thought it is we who have chose where we want to stay but what has happened those who went for the horror movie so we are uh, built up in such a way you just see in a forest when the predator attacks a herd of so called uh, this grazing animal the, what the, when the grazing animals are trying to flee are running they always try to be together because they know invariably they know that if i am not with the herd if i somehow get singularized i will be immediately noticed by the predator and the chances that i will be the one who will be the victim is more so i have to be in the herd most probably i may be saved because i am getting mixed with the herd so whenever we are in cry in this some danger we always want to be in the herd so there is a protection module there is a self protection mental module that got activated for all those who went for the horror movie and again when we are with the family of course we always want to be have, have our own time so this this kit and kin module the family module there's a different module that got activated for those who went for the adventure movie they wanted to be in the remote place so you see there are so many such modules they get activated as per the circumstances making you think that it is you who are deciding but actually the decision is taken by the stimuli response condition which is already fixed by the module so now you will understand that why it is being that mentioned that actually that is there is nothing called free will if you take the space time causation as the standpoint from there we find we cannot define about the free will if we take our psychology or mind into consideration there is nothing called free will let us just continue with uh, the text uh, to understand that where the karma yoga comes into picture but that which has become converted into the will which was not the will before but which when it fell into the mold of space time and causation became converted into the human will is free and when this will get out of this mold of space time and causation it will be free again from freedom it comes and becomes molded into this bondage and it gets out and goes back to freedom again so what swami ji is saying here in some other place he has explained in a very nice way that if there is no free will why we feel that we are free that moment the conscious principle which is beyond space time causation which is the real me it comes in association with the mind it takes the reflection to be the reality i am standing in front of a reservoir and seeing my reflection i take the reflection to be real that has as what and has happened with us the conscious principle in association with the mind as if sees its own reflection in the mind and takes that reflection to be reality and now it starts thinking that i am that within this 
But that reflection can never be real. Just give you a very common example. The sun is on the sky. There are thousands of waves in the ocean. Each wave is reflecting the sun. One sun is appearing as many. And not only that, with the motion of the wave, the sun, which is spherical, may appear to be oblique, may appear to be moving, which is not the fact. So that's what is happening with us. The one, the conscious principle, which is beyond time space causation, because of its association with this mind, with the body, appear, is actually appearing to be limited, but it is not limited. And not only that, very interesting thing. Though it is limited within that mind, that reflection, as the moment I get identified with the reflection, I know that I cannot just think of doing anything everything beyond certain limits, the limits which has been imposed to the body-mind. I cannot do something beyond that. I cannot jump a 20 story on the top of a 20-story building. I cannot. My body-mind is not made that way. But somehow, I have that inner feeling, I am free, I am free. Why it is happening? The soul which is free, when it is reflecting on this body-mind complex, Still, that echo is there. But by out of delusion, I feel I am this body-mind complex. But the thing which is beyond this body-mind complex is constantly echoing that you are free. But it is nothing is free there. But that is all. It is stimuli response condition is actually fixed in each and every mental module. But the one who activates this mental module is free, and that is echoing through that. In spite of all the bondages, it feels that I am free. So this idea that that I that the willing, this willing is something which is within the space-time causation, within the mental module. This idea of free, that freedom of the will, is just a mere echo of that which is beyond that. So now you will understand that though we are as if conditioned by all these mental modules and the fixed stimuli response conditioning, still why we feel we are free. It is we who are taking free decision. It is the soul who is beyond this mind, which is echoing through the body-mind. It is deluded by taking the reflection to be real, but actually the thing which is reflected is the reality, and that is beyond time-space culture, that is free. And that freedom is echoing and is taken as freedom of the body-mind senses, of the wave, that is the wave itself is the sun, no. So that's how this paradox comes into picture. So that's what Swamiji is indicating by saying, but that which has become converted into will, that the ultimate conscious principle, when it's reflected in your body-mind senses, it is being reflected as the will. So that is being converted into will, which was not the will before. It was not the will before. It was, if you are free, there is no question of will. Will comes when I have the need of something. That such and such thing I don't have, I want. And then the question of willing come. As a self, you are free. How The question of will doesn't come. So this will is something which ha- after coming into this, space-time causation within the mind, then this will is coming to picture, which was not the will before, but which when it fell into the mode of space, time and causation, became converted into the human will, 
is free. That that's one, which is that conscious principle through the space-time causation, through this mind, which is appearing as this limited being, that is the real freedom. The map is never the free, is, 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 it doesn't speak of freedom, but the thing of which you have drawn the map, that is free. That's the ultimate conscious principle. And when this will get out of this mold of space, time and causation, it will be free again. From freedom it comes and becomes molded into this bondage and it gets out and goes back to freedom again. So now he will come gradually to the concept of where, where the karma yoga comes to the picture. He has just first uh, described the state of our existence and gradually he will come to uh, that how karma yoga comes to the picture with this state of our existence. So let us go to the text and gradually we will come to the main uh, point of this discussion. The question has been raised as to from whom this universe comes, in whom it rests and to whom it goes. And the answer has been given that from freedom it comes, in bondage it rests and goes back to that freedom again. So when we speak of man as no other than that infinite being, which is manifesting itself, we mean that only one very small part thereof is man. This body and this mind, which we see are only one part of the whole, only one spot of the infinite being. The whole universe is only one speck of the infinite being and all our laws, our bondages, our joys and our sorrows, our happiness and our expectations are only within this small universe. All our progression and degradation are within its small compass. You know, the examples helps us to understand this what Swamiji is speaking, there's a wonderful example in science. What that example, when, when there's even a scientist try to relate to the commoners like us, they resort to this example, just the way a spiritual mystic who has went to the realization, try to explain his realization to the mankind, to the humankind. Again, they also resort to parables. Otherwise, so it is so sublime. For us to understand is almost impossible. So I will just speak of a, an example which is spoken by some scientists. Very interesting. That to say that this perceptible world alone is the reality is like saying what? Suppose you have gone out to the ocean for fishing with a fishnet. And you throw the fishnet in the ocean. And the fishnet, the, each of the uh, this groove of the net when the, there's a net, will have the grooves. Suppose it's the groove of the nets, the dimension, the length and the breadth of each groove, the rectangular groove or uh, the square grooves, say is one mm by one mm, one millimeter by one millimeter. So you throw the net and you, when you pull up the net, you find many things has been caught, but nothing, should, the, what has been caught is never smaller than one millimeter. It's all, it is bound to be bigger than one millimeter. And now you come to the conclusion that in the fish, in the ocean, there is no creature 
which is smaller than one millimeter. What a nice example he's giving. That's what is happening with us. The world outside, what we see, is being as if fished by the fishnet of these five senses. These five senses are like the fishnet. We are throwing it. Whatever is within the limitation of the perception is perceived. And we say this is the world. Anything which has have passed through that net is not within the vicinity of our perception. And we say it doesn't exist. So it's a, as good as that. Even that example which we give, that when I see the spectrum, this white light is breaking to the spectrum of seven colors. I say, even in science book, you find that the white light breaks into the seven spectrums. But is it right? Even scientifically, it is not right. Why? Actually, our eyes can see from violet to red. This is the brand, this is the band which I can see. I cannot see ultraviolet light. I cannot see infrared light. There are innumerable bands below the red. There are innumerable bands beyond the violet. I cannot see. So now if I say there are only seven spectrums, seven bands into which this light has actually broken. It's a false statement. There is so many spectrums which is beyond my perception. So that's the thing Swamiji is saying, that whatever we are interpreting as laws, as our this world, is only the thing which comes within the domain of our mind. So let us read this portion again. The question has been raised as to from whom this universe comes, in whom it rests, and to whom it goes, the answer has been given that from freedom it comes, in bondage it rests, and goes back into that freedom again. So when we speak of man as no other than that infinite being which is manifesting itself, we mean that only one very small part thereof, only that thing which has been caught by the fishing, fishing net, only that small part thereof is man. This body and this mind which we see are only one part of the whole, only one spot of the infinite being. This whole universe is only one speck of the infinite being and all our laws, our bondages, our joys and our sorrows, our happiness and our expectations are only within this small universe. All our progression and degradation are within its small compass. So you see how childish it is to expect a continuation of this universe the creation of our mind and to expect to go to heaven, which after all must mean only a repetition of this world that we know. Because it's all, that's what's happening even in science. Very interesting. You see that even in the NASA, that they are trying so hard to find life in some other planet. Till now it has not succeeded, but, but are they really going to see some beings moving in the planet? No. They have made some fixed criteria. If we see another planet like Earth, where water is there, atmosphere is there, there will be life. Even we, with our limitation, just think that way. If some planet has an ocean of hydrochloric acid, there cannot be life. We forget there can, in, there can be infinite possibilities. There can be some beings who can thrive in HCL. But we as a human being have our own world and think that's the only possibility. Just to 
give a common example when Sri Ramakrishna uh, was asked by Mathu in Dakshineshwar that, that the, the one who has made law, can he break the law? Sri Ramakrishna told, of course, the God is beyond law. The laws he has made, he can alter, he can break. And that's, that's a very nice, funny story. And when Mathu told, see this plant which has white flowers, can you have a red flower? And Ramakrishna says, yes. And next day, he this really sin that there were red flowers in that plant. He broke that branch, ran to Mathu to show. And again, he affirmed the one who has made the law can be beyond the laws. So this law is only to this particular universe. And we interpret the universe only by those laws which we understand. There can be some other ways of existence. And we can be totally clueless about it. And that's what Swamiji is indicating. So you will find that the ideas through which Swamiji is taking us can be really very absorbing. He takes a very vast domain and gradually he will come to that point where we find that there is something which we can practice. That in this world where everything is predestined, now we find almost clueless where to start. Is there nothing in our hands? Now there is something in our hands. So he will gradually come to that point. So today also most probably we couldn't enter there, but we will, of course, as we continue. So in the next class, we will continue with this lecture. This freedom lecture is very interesting. You know, as Swami is going to conclude this Karima Yoga discussion in eight chapters, he's almost coming to the conclusion. So the more he's coming to the end, you will find the more uh, this all uh, compassing is becoming is his lectures. He's taking a huge purview from which he will come to the point to give a conviction. Why he is taking such a huge purview? Because he's in the Western world to represent the Hinduism for the first time. So he has to be very, very rational to prove his point. Most probably sometimes we feel what's the use of such discussion? But we, for, we have to always remember the background, what a big challenge he has and with what a tremendous efficiency he's meeting that challenge. There, there was a first preacher of Hinduism going to the West to make the people believe that it is not some namby-pamby idea. There's a very strong ground behind it. What a tremendous purview. The one who is well conversant with the Western Eastern philosophy, as well as the science, as well as the history, he is being ordained by the divine to preach this message to the world for its benefit, not for just its own propaganda. And we find this message is really valuable and it becomes more valuable if we really try to decipher, try to understand the crux of it, from which standpoint he's saying. It's almost impossible to understand from which standpoint Swamiji is saying, but with, we, with our all limitations, the more we try to understand, the more we are benefited. So that's what we will continue trying to do again in the next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. So thank you all. Namaskars.